Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Sauce Town Stories podcast. I am your host, Matt Cox. Uh, just got done interviewing Coach Defoe. Uh, this was awesome. You guys definitely know him uh, as a great football coach and in you know a lot of other different ways as a friend and things like that. But this was a great interview um, as far as kind of learning more about what shaped him and what made him uh, into who he is today, some of his coaching influences, his upbringing, living all over the, uh, the world, um, and how that influenced him. Um, so this is, a, this is an awesome interview. I'll just leave it at that, and we'll go ahead and get to our sponsor right now. That's Ash Creek Farms. The Capitol Building Goldman, Hoopla, the Art Fair, these are all Sauce Town staples. It's time to add another to the list. Ash Creek, Oregon Hazelnuts are the official sponsor of the Sauce Town Stories podcast and need to be the official sponsor of your taste buds this fall. They're roasted milk, my personal favorite, and dark chocolate hazelnuts will make you the star of any tailgate, go beeves, happy hour, or night by the fire pit with friends. Go to ashcreekoregon.com and order today that quick word from our sponsor ash creek farms i'm joined by an awesome guest one of the bigger names that we've had on the sauce town stories podcast um this gentleman is not actually from salem but he's about as ingrained uh, in the community as it gets um long time south salem high football coach he's also coached at mckay uh d1 athlete and of course a history teacher at south as well I am joined by Scott Defoe. Coach, how's it going? It's going well, Matt. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. I'm going to call you Coach because it feels way too weird calling you Scott, if that's okay with you. That'll be all right, buddy. (laughs) All right. Where are you joining us from today? Well, I'm at home. We got football practice late this evening, so I've got a little window in between the end of school and practice, and excited to sit down and talk with you a little bit. Absolutely. I appreciate you making time for us. And for anyone that's been lucky enough to go by, you've done a, a heck of a backyard project at the house. Any, are you going to get in any final barbecues or anything this year before the weather kind of turns on us? Well, we got three more weeks of football season, actually four counting this one. And we've got uh, wrestling starting in November, so probably not too much happening. All right. Yeah, pretty books right now. Um, so with that today, I, I, I everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but just about everybody in Salem knows you um, as the football coach. You've been doing it for a long time. Um, but to start us off, tell us a little bit um, about where you grew up, a little bit of what, what your hometown was like. And then from there, obviously going to a prestigious university, take us through kind of a high level um, look at your life up through your college days. Well, uh, we moved around quite a bit when I was younger. Um, my dad got involved in a business, and we spent some time in Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then we lived in both Barcelona and Madrid, Spain. And then my parents brought us back because they wanted to have a little more normal school experience for us. And uh, we ended up settling in Lebanon, Oregon, which was quite a bit different than the the world I'd been living in the six or seven years prior to that. Um, But I enjoyed the heck out of my time in Lebanon. I have some really good friends still from my time there. Um, Graduated from Lebanon High School in 1982. 
um, and got lucky enough to get accepted to Stanford University. And that was an unbelievable experience. I wrestled my first two years there, played football, got a degree in history, and just had a fabulous time. Got out of college. And my last semester in college, I worked as a high school wrestling coach at a, at a local high school in the area and kind of got the bug and decided I wanted to be a teacher and a coach and uh, went back to Western, got my master's in education, and the rest is kind of history. Growing up in obviously spending time in Buenos Aires, uh, Madrid, Spain, and then sp uh, spending significant time in Lebanon, Oregon, you know, really living in giant cosmopolitan cities abroad and then living in, in small town Northwest. I mean, you, you, I assume got to interact with all different kinds of people, cultures, obviously. I mean, how did that kind of uh, vast uh, different demographics, how do you think that kind of shapes uh, who you are today? Um, well, it certainly gave me a, a, an interest in history, the, the travel and seeing all these things. My parents were both teachers um, for most of their working lives. And um, we would go on trips and my dad would give us tests afterwards. And the, the winner on the test got ice cream. So we paid attention when we went to places because we wanted the ice cream. Um, but it really got me interested in, in history and, and, and that. And so it was kind of a natural step and progression for me to want to go out and be a history teacher. And it, it, you were a, a history major at Stanford? Yes, I was. Okay. So that, and that was something you became interested in from the time you were a little kid. Was there a particular event or was it, like you said, just mostly seeing all these different places on, you know, around the globe where different historical events occurred? Yeah, that, and you know, this is, this seems kind of real hokey old school America. Uh, but one summer we packed up the station wagon and it was legitimately a station wagon. And uh, we started on the West coast and, drove all the way around the country, all the way down to Southern California, all the way across the Southern half of the country, all the way up the East Coast. Uh, it was the summer they had the big blackout in New York City, and we were two days out of New York City right after the blackout happened and drove all the way back across the northern part of the country and got to see America. And it was pretty cool. And, you know, just like my other travel experiences, it, it piqued my interest in the different parts of our country and obviously traveling around the world, the different parts of the world. And so um, that really piqued my interest in, in learning more about the history of things. And so that's why I decided to go into history. Absolutely. And I was I was lucky enough to take your class and anybody that's, <clears throat> excuse me, anybody that's taken your history class um, knows, knows very well how, um, you know, it's not something that you're just showing up to as, as a job, but it's something that you're incredibly passionate about. And um, everybody that got to take that class is, is quite lucky. Um, so then you end up uh, graduating from Lebanon. I mean, how do you go? Obviously, you could play some ball. You ended up being a two sport athlete at Stanford. But how do you, you know, being in tiny Lebanon, Oregon, how did you go about getting noticed by University of Stanford? Well, yeah, I, I got pretty good grades and I kind of narrowed my choices down. I got accepted to the Air Force Academy and I was waiting on hearing from Stanford and my fallback here in Oregon was to go to Lewis and Clark. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it was different back then. Um, one of the Pac-12 wrestling refs was a hometown guy and 
he kind of helped me get in contact with the Stanford wrestling program. And that kind of helped me get the door open and, you know, the process of getting accepted at that place that, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what it is. I, I was kind of shocked. They let me in to be quite honest with you, but um, you know, I think that helped a little bit. And I think being an athlete helped a little bit in terms of getting in there. Um, but just getting on the radar down there, you know, I, life as you probably have already learned is, is not what you know very often, but it's who, you know, and I just happened to be in small town. Lebanon, Oregon was one of the top NCAA wrestling officials in the country. And he did most of the Pac-12 meets and he kind of introduced me to the wrestling coach at Stanford. And that's kind of how the door got opened. So it was initially uh, obviously academics, but, but athletics wise, it was a wrestling thing, but you parlayed that into or ended up playing football as well. How did, how did that part come about? Well, I, my first love would always been football. And had I gone to the other two schools, I would have played football and not wrestled at all. Um, I'm thankful for the wrestling. I love the sport. Um, I'm a little crazy right now, but I'm the head wrestling coach in South Salem right now, too. I know. I cannot believe you're doing that. Coaching them. And um, I love I love that part of it. But I've, I've been a football guy my whole life. And um, to be quite honest, I was probably a much better football player than I was a wrestler. And so when I had an opportunity to walk on down at Stanford, I, I took it and got a chance to play in some games and be a part of a Division One program. And it was a pretty neat experience. And speaking of those games, you were there for – you were on the team when the famous – the play against Cal occurred. Actually, I was wrestling. You uh, were wrestling. That was wrestling. my freshman okay. year in college. I was wrestling. I wrestled my first two years. And I was actually on crutches. I'd rolled my ankle like two days before in wrestling practice. And I'm on crutches in the stands and was literally in the corner of the end zone where the guy ran into the trombone player and scored. I was probably <laughs> – 200 feet away from it watched the whole thing happen Stanford fans are going nuts they thought the game was over and I'm sitting there thinking they haven't blown it dead yet and it just kind of unfolded kind of in slow motion to be quite honest with you and it was the wildest play I've ever seen in a football game yeah for for folks that are listening that aren't entire entirely familiar go to YouTube and enter Cal versus Stanford the play and just just watch it is like Coach Defoe said, it is the craziest play you'll probably ever see. Um, so then during your time there, you, you play ball with Elway, John Elway as well, correct? Well, he was a little bit older than me. He was a senior my freshman year. Um, he and I were in the same fraternity. And so, you know, I, I, I tell this story all the time. But uh, one day we were up at the house playing basketball and I played two on two basketball against him. And so what I appreciated about him was he's a pretty down to earth guy. He was, you know, obviously, you know, one of the most famous college athletes of all time at Stanford. And, you know, he sat down and talked to us and hung out with us and was great about it. I didn't spend a lot of time with him, um, but he was a good dude. And so uh, that's what I took out of my experience with John Elway. Yeah. Cause he was a guy when, when you say most, famous college athletes of all time like that's not an exaggeration he literally I mean you don't see that he got obviously drafted to the NFL where he went on to make the Hall of Fame but then he also got drafted by the New York Yankees to play baseball I mean what was it was it just a well-known thing at, at Stanford the second you saw this guy that this this dude's right. just on it on another planet 
Well, he's a legend. I mean, uh, the baseball stories, my fraternity that I lived in, there were about half the guys in there were football players and the other half were baseball players. So it was a pretty tight group in terms of the two sports. Um, and Stanford's been known to have a lot of kids that play both baseball and football. Um, Toby Gerhardt did it. Um, the kid they have this last year, I forget his name, that got real hot at the end of the year and is one of the top players in the nation coming back. Was also a football player. Um, but the stories about Elway were just insane. The throws he made from the outfield. And I mean, the one that people talk about, a guy hit a ball to the deep right field wall. He caught the ball and the guy tagged from second and he, he threw him out at third. I mean, that just each row kind of stuff with the arm. Um, but the thing I remember most about him was he was a pretty down to earth, pretty cool guy. And um, that's the thing that, you know, here's a guy who's everybody knows and is famous and he just hung out and was one of the guys. And that's what I appreciated about him. Absolutely. So you graduate from Stanford um, and then you end up going to Western. You, you make the decision that you want to be a teacher and you want to be a coach. Now, jog my memory, how quickly after that and, and kind of what was the path, but you end up coach, coaching at McKay was the next step, right? Yeah, I got my first teaching job at McKay back in 1988. Um, went in, got an interview, got a job, uh, coached football that first year and realized I knew a lot about the game, but didn't know anything about coaching it. Um, and so and it was a, a tough year. It was, it was a fun year, though. Um, my first year out, I got to be the head JV coach and our program wasn't real successful that year, but we won, I think, six or seven games that year and had a pretty fun group of kids. And, you know, I really caught the bug coaching and uh, that part of it was great. Was there anybody there that you, that kind of took you under their wing and that you, you said you knew how to play the sport, you didn't know how to coach it yet. I mean, who do you credit with, with getting you to the point where you were, where you could coach it? Well, it was, it was really when I came to South Salem the first time. Um, my old high school coach was a guy by the name of Randy Wagner. And um, a lot of what I do still coaching is based upon what he did. Um, he was real successful and he taught me how to get prepared. He taught me how to watch film. He taught me how to do a lot of things. And I give him a lot of credit for developing as a coach because you know, he taught me how to do it and he taught me how to do it by modeling it and showing me. And so that's probably the biggest influence on me in terms of coaching. Mm -hmm. um, he just was, you know, he did it right. And so I, I did a lot of the stuff we did when you were playing for me was, was stuff I learned from him. And then what, what year was it? So then you become eventually become the head varsity coach at McKay. What, what year did that occur? Oh, God, that's a long time ago. I want to say it was sometime in the late 90s. Um, I was kind of ready to go and see if I could do this thing on my own. And it was hard to leave South Salem at that time. I had a lot of friends on the staff and a lot of kids that I was close to. Um, mm -hmm. But I felt like I needed to take a shot and try being a head coach. And um, I had a blast at McKay. And I'll, I'll tell you this, you, you go into something and you don't know what you don't know, <laughs> if that right. makes sense to you. Yep. Um, 
and it was a great learning experience for me. The kids were awesome. The staff was awesome. We struggled for a couple of years. Um, but to be quite honest with you, one of the, my most favorite years of coaching was my last year there. We took a group of kids that hadn't been very successful. Um, we tied for the league title, won the first playoff game in the history of the school um, and had a blast. And it was a bunch of kids that, you know, hadn't been very successful and they bought into what we were talking about. And we won a lot of games, 14, 13 and 17, 14, and um, just found a way to win a lot of weeks, beat a really good McNary team that year. Um, you know, I think we went eight and one in the conference and tied for the conference title. And it was it was a really cool experience. Um, but the job at South opened up and I wasn't going to apply for it. I was happy where I was. Things were going great. And, but my kids were going to school in the South Salem district. And my wife turned to me one night and she says, I don't want to tell you what to do, but you spend a lot of your life doing what's best for other people's kids. You might want to think about doing what's best for your kids. And that kind of resonated with me a little bit. And I decided to apply for the job and was lucky enough to get it. And I've been there for the last oh, 22, 23 years. Yeah, I, I remember growing up because I, I was just up the street from you guys and we were right by South Salem High School. But we because we were friends with you guys, I, I went to the McKay football camps and I just remember the feel within that program was just that this is such a, a fun, tight knit group. So I can imagine that that was that wasn't easy to leave. No, it wasn't, you know, and I talk to my coaches all the time that, you know, I've been here so long, I'm not going anywhere anymore. Um, but I've had coaches that left and, you know, they said, well, I don't want to leave. And I look at them, and I say, you got to do what's best for you. And at that point, what was best for my family was to not move my kids schools and do all that, but keep them with their friends and who they'd grown up with. And my wife was right. And so it was a hard decision for me. I didn't want to leave, but it was the best thing for us. And it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. And you, you mentioned um, your wife, Anne-Marie, <clears throat> obviously playing a, a large part in, in that decision. I mean, she's been involved with, with every program you've been with in, in so many different ways. And, and uh, I mean, I remember, heck, Anne-Marie was my first football coach, along with your dad, <laughs> uh, when, I, when I played flag football. So she knows the game inside and out um, from, you know, we've watched film with her, et cetera. But her role is almost uh, in, in recent years, I think has, has expanded even more. I mean, talk about what she does for the program a little bit at South. Uh, she does everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I can't imagine having a better coach's wife uh, than her. And I'm sure there are some unbelievable coaches' wives across the country and in the state of Oregon. Um, but I think she's the best. Um, five years ago, our youth football program was in a little bit of a mess and I looked at her and I said, I need you to do me a favor. And she said, what? I said, I, I need you to run my youth program. And she had run our youth baseball programs as the kids were growing up and been involved in them and was really organized. And I needed somebody who wasn't a parent to come in and run the program because, you know, it was, she didn't have a skin, you know, dog in the fight or skin in the game. And she, she was going to make decisions on what was best for the program. And she very graciously took it over and has become one of the leading youth football people in the state of Oregon. She's vice chairman of the largest youth league in Oregon, one of the largest on the West coast. She's very active 
in youth football and football issues, particularly youth football issues around the country. Uh, she's awesome. And I can't thank her enough. Uh, one of these days we need to both retire and travel a little bit. But for right now, she every Saturday she's down at the field cheering on our youth kids. And for anybody that's been there on on Friday nights, you definitely hear Anne Marie in the stands as well. Um, somebody that's that's very much loved throughout the Salem community. So huge, huge shout out to Anne Marie Defoe. Hopefully uh, she listens to this. Um, well, I got one I, more thing for you on oh, my wife. Go ahead. Um, we were watching film one night with my quarterbacks at our house. This was a while ago, and we hear this screeching voice over the film. And my quarterback, Joey August, looked at me and he goes, Coach, is that Mrs. Defoe? And I said, yeah, she's pretty passionate. And then I saw a video yesterday (laughs) on, I don't know, Instagram or Facebook or something. It was showing the Texas A&M kicker's girlfriend watching him get ready to make the kick to beat Alabama. And she's just losing her stuff up in the stands, just going nuts and screaming and yelling. And I'm sure about ready to have a heart attack. And then her boyfriend kicks the ball through the uprights and she drops down on her knees. I think she said, praise Jesus. Next thing I know, she's hopping over the wall and charging onto the field. And I brought it home and I said, honey, this reminds me of you. <laughs> so she is very passionate about the sport of football, though. Absolutely. One of my one of my favorite Anne Marie isms in the stands is she, uh, you know, she she likes to get after the refs a little bit, but she'll always preface it with, I'm I'm not biased. I never say anything about the refs, but here are the last three <laughs> calls that they've screwed up in the last five minutes and they should be fired. But I never do this about the refs. You really want to have some fun. Watch a 49er game or a Beaver game with her. Oh, I can imagine. I think I have uh, sat next to her for a, or at least talked to her at a, at, at a Beaver game or two in, in the stands at some point. So I want to get into, you, you alluded to some things you want to do after you both retire. I do want to get into that at the end of the pod. One question I wanted to ask you, though, because you've been doing this, you know, at multiple schools, you've seen the game and how it's evolved. I mean, what has, from when you started to, to today in 2021, what has changed most about the high school game during your career? Schematically, I think the passing game has become a much bigger part of the game. When I first started most teams threw the ball maybe 10, 12 times a game. Uh, it was very rare that you saw a team line up with one back in the backfield. Um, and I think that part of the game schematically has changed a lot. Um, and, you know, people are just throwing the ball. I mean, if you watch us play, we're going to throw the ball 40 times a game uh, this year. We're running a version of the air raid offense and we're going to throw it all over the yard. And, um, I think that's the biggest change. Um, and I remember kind of the moment I remembered it was, it was one of my first couple of years at South Salem High School. And um, our coach, Randy Wegner, had spent some time with Dennis Erickson over at the University of Idaho, I think it was. And he brought back that first version of the one back West Coast offense. And watching these teams who traditionally had lined up against two and three back formations, um, have to adjust to us and and what they had to do. And that was kind of the beginning of this evolution that, that I've seen. And now, I mean, we line up with no backs in the backfield a fair amount of the time. And um, it's just, just a different game. 
Yeah, I, I remember back in, you know, say early 2000s when you were running the, the four wide receiver stuff or sometimes three wide receiver, one tight end. But either way, stuff where you're spreading the field, that was, I mean, no one certainly in Salem was doing that. Everybody from Sprague obviously running the wing T to Mc, McKay, McNary, North, et cetera. I mean, it was like you said, they're throwing the ball sometimes as few as five, usually around 10 times a game. That was completely unheard of, and, and now it's it's kind of uh, a little more commonplace. Yeah. yeah. When you look at your career as a whole and just look at people that have, that, that have played for you, I mean, what, what, what matters most to you? is, is what, what do you look back on or what do you see your, 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 your guys doing that, that makes you smile when you look at your career? Well, talking to guys like you on the phone right now, I mean, guys that have gone out and have been successful and are doing well in their lives. Um, I saw Junior Spethi at a wedding about a month and a half ago, and he ran up and gave me a hug. And he said, Coach, I wouldn't be where I am without you. And those are the kind of things that kind of make me appreciate what I've been able to do for the last 32 years. And um, I get that on a regular basis. Uh, what I am getting on too regular a basis right now is kids whose dads I coached on my team or students whose parents I've taught. Um, I had a girl come into my class the other day and she goes, do you know my dad? And I said, yeah. And I go, how is he doing? We went through the whole thing and talked about it a little bit. And I said, how old is your dad? And she goes, I think he's 48 right now. and so that made me feel pretty old but you know i the older i've gotten and the more i've done this you know i was pretty intense probably even when i coached you um and i still love to win um but it's about being around the kids and i think one of the things that's done for me in the last five or ten years has made me feel a little bit younger you know i enjoy the heck still out of coaching i enjoy the heck still out of teaching and um but just the experience of kids coming back and seeing that they've gone through your program and they're being successful in life. And I think that that's something that is probably become the most important thing to me. Yeah. And you can see it. I mean, from the number of guys that, that stay in touch with you or that have come back and coached or just something like a couple months ago, I was at your birthday party, like the number of ex players that are there. I mean, you know, credit to you. It's uh, there's a ton of ton of guys out there that, that um, I mean, from players that have that have lived with you for a year or more. I know there's been that's happened multiple times. Um, yeah, so it's it's easy to see like how much impact you've had on guys. But it's fun to see them when they're all grown up. I'll, I'll tell you that it is. It's it's kind of warms your heart a little bit. So I'm going to ask you, I, I, I'm not going to give you the annoying question and ask you how long are you going to coach for? Because that's, I don't want to put you on the spot with that. What I am going to ask you though, and you kind of touched on it earlier, um, is, is, is what do you want to do? I know you talked about travel a little bit, but what, what would you and Anne-Marie like to do once you're uh, kind of done with this coaching chapter? Well, kind of what we've been talking about. My wife has some Italian roots. Her maiden name is Calderazzo. And we're really thinking about spending some time in Italy part of the year going over finding a place during the colder times over here and find a place on a beach someplace in southern Italy and kind of relax a little bit and immerse ourselves in a little different culture I'd also like to travel and see some places I haven't seen before Um, I have a sister who lives in Australia and I've 
only done a little bit of research on it and watched some stuff on it, but it looks like a pretty cool place. I'd like to go down and see that a little bit. Um, but right now I'm going to keep doing this as long as I'm having fun and I'm having fun. And so I, I don't have a timeline set on when we want to do this, but I do want to get out and travel a little bit with my wife. We've worked real hard our whole lives, raised three kids and I'd like she and I to be able to go out and enjoy ourselves a little bit, kind of like your parents are getting to do now. And, um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Is there, is there, I got to ask you with Italy, is there any truth to these pop-up ads that I get on, uh, online sometimes that tell me I can buy a, a place for $1 in Italy? What's with that, that stuff? Well, I, I'm not an expert on it by any <laughs> I, I have seen it on some shows. I'm kind of a TV guy at times at home and I spent a whole weekend one time watching a show on Italy and actually a lady bought a house for one euro and it wasn't in very good shape. And she put a 150 euro, 150,000 euro into it and made herself a pretty nice apartment. So I think there are some deals like that. Um, I don't think I'm going to get involved in that kind of renovation over there. I'd like to buy something that's a little more move in ready and we can just go and spend some time and kind of immerse ourselves in the Italian culture a little bit. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. I like I like your idea better. Um, but before I let you go, I know you got to get to practice, but I always leave at the end of this podcast. I leave a, a, a little moment for you, um, for any shout outs you'd like to give. I know you, you obviously shouted out your wife if you'd like to do that again. But also, um, if there's any, the best places to follow along with you or people that want to support, um, whether it's Saxon football or any other program that you care about um this is just kind of a minute i leave the floor open for you for anything you'd like to say well i'd like to say thank you to all the guys that i've coached with over the years um i've learned a lot from everybody i've coached with uh just as importantly all the kids who played for me i mean i've had a blast and i i think a lot of people don't get to have the kind of experiences and have the kind of relationships with people in their workplace that i get a chance to have and um that part's been awesome and I couldn't have done any of it without the support of my family. My wife, as I said, has been spectacular. Um, but my kids have also were a part of it. And that's the thing about this job is it's, it's not just a job. It's not a nine to five thing. It's a family job. And if your family's not committed to it, it can be hard on them. And my family was all in, you know, both my boys ball boyed from the time they could walk almost until, you know, they, they got up to high school and my daughter was actively involved. Um, they've been awesome and they've supported everything that I've wanted to do. And it's been great. Um, South Salem high school has been very, very good to me. Um, I, all three of my kids graduated from there. I think it's a great institution, um, that's going through some changes. And if anybody out there wants to help, we'd love to take any help that you have to offer. Um, but I've just been feeling, been real blessed with the experience that I've been able to have in my life and I'm very thankful for the people who, I've been able to have contact with on my journey through this. Well, Kosovo, this has been awesome. I, you're a busy guy. You coach two varsity teams. Um, I appreciate you making time for us. If you guys are ever out in, uh, in New York city, certainly you got my number. Hit me up. I will buddy. Take care. Appreciate All right. Have a good one. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.